This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brownhorns 24-7, and we are previewing Texas, Kansas football. Now, stay with us, because our uh, <laughs> our guest, Kevin Flaherty, national writer for 24-7 Sports, uh, is actually uh, a profound expert on college basketball, and we know that Texas and Kansas are, well, Kansas is picked to finish first in the Big 12. Texas under Chris Beard, who debuted last night with a resounding win in a, in a season opener against uh, Houston Baptist, and will now go play Gonzaga. We'll get into that as well with Kevin Flaherty. But Kevin, welcome to the flagship podcast. How are you? Uh, doing well, Chip. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's a fun week with, with college basketball tipping off and everything, and uh, in college football season, uh, still going and no shortage of headlines there either. Well, you're actually in New York right now. Yes. And tell everyone what you're doing in New York. Yeah. Uh, so last night I was uh, here at Madison Square Garden covering uh, Champions Classic, which was uh, Kansas against Michigan State in the first game. And the Jayhawks got that one. And uh, and then Duke uh, and Mike Krzyzewski's final Champions Classic that he's ever going to appear in. Uh, they beat Kentucky seventy nine to seventy one last night, and and so got to cover those games and uh, and maybe explore New York a little bit today before heading on back. Well, we'll get back to basketball. We don't want to be misleading in our headline in <laughs> talking about Texas and Kansas football because here's the deal, Kevin. You know this. Kansas has been a weird nemesis for Texas. I mean, twenty sixteen. The loss up in Lawrence basically ends the Charlie Strong era. And then in 2019, Les Miles goes for two, takes a one-point lead. Texas has to drive the length of the field, kick a 33-yard field goal as time expires to win by two. Um, Remember when Les Miles was the coach? I mean, (laughs) that lasted about five minutes. But now we have Lance Leipold. And all anyone knows, Kevin, is that Kansas was leading Oklahoma 10-0 at halftime and 17-7 deep into the third quarter. And that Caleb Williams may have made the play of the year, ripping the ball out of Kennedy Brooks' hands on fourth down to to you know keep a, a drive uh to the to the final touchdown alive. Um at that point, they were clinging to a five-point lead near midfield with a couple minutes left. So who is Kansas? Because if you look at the stats, they're terrible. If you look at the stats, they look like Kansas, right? Right. So what, uh, and now, well, I'll let you, I'll let you just give us some overall thoughts on the one and eight 
0-6 Kansas Jayhawks before I ask you specifics. Well, sure. Well, you know, um, obviously you and Taylor and I all covered Texas at the very end of the Mac Brown era. And uh, coming off the, the 2009 season, I think they played Rice to start 2010. And it was yes. kind of a weird sort of sloppy-ish game. And, and I feel like when you have a team that's really good, you're always kind of looking for maybe that little weird outlier that indicates that maybe things aren't all perfect in paradise. Maybe things are, are starting to, to take a little bit of that backslide. And with K the reason I bring that up is with Kansas, it's the exact opposite. You know, it, they've struggled for so long that I think when you watch them, you're not necessarily watching to see, oh, are they going to win tonight? Or, you know, are they even going to make this game close? You're looking for sort of these little indicators that maybe life is a little bit different on the prairie this year or is getting ready to be that way. And that was a lot of that was the Oklahoma game. I'll, I'll tell you, Chip, I was in person for the South Carol or South Dakota game to start the season. And Kansas got pushed around in the trenches by South Dakota, which is an FCS team. I mean, they got they got bullied around. They had to drive down to get the game-winning score and then hold for a stop at the very end. Yeah, I mean, we could very easily be talking about a zero-win team here. And so to see sort of improvement isn't linear. And so it wasn't like they got, you know, significantly better and better and they keep climbing. But there have been little indicators here and there. You know, the offense played really well against Coastal Carolina the next week, played pretty well against Duke. And then against Oklahoma, and uh, I, you were there, right, Chip, at that I, game? I was not there. I watched it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was, as we all know, one of the reasons I think Kansas can be a nemesis at home is it's not a very daunting home atmosphere, to, to say the least. You get the early game, you show up, there's 15,000 fans in the stands. You know, I, I feel like opposing teams really thrive on that sort of energy that that opposing fans can bring and, and yelling at them that they stink and all of those different things. And it's just sort of a sleepy afternoon. And next thing you know, you're, you're down at halftime and, and you're in for a game. And, you know, the, the biggest thing that, that I noticed about that game and, and I, you know, kind of confirmed it with Joey Helmer from OU insider after that game was Kansas won in the trenches. And that was the, maybe the most, random part about that is I, I think when we all saw Kansas beat Texas in 16, it was such a fluky game, right? All the turnovers and, and all of the different things. It, it didn't feel like anybody should have won. It felt like somebody, you know, both teams probably should have lost, but Kansas won. This game was actually a little bit different in that Kansas probably played well enough to win when you looked at what they did up front and, and all of those different things. And, and had Caleb Williams not made that play, Oklahoma might have been in trouble with Kansas having the ball at midfield with a with a few minutes left to go. And so I, I think that that's kind of where Kansas sits. They haven't been able to, to really build off that. Oklahoma State came next. They got kind of run out really quickly. The Kansas State game, there were a few positives in there, but but not really, I think, what a lot of people were wanting to see. And, and so that's kind of where Kansas is at right now. So um... – We'll start with the Kansas offense because the Texas players were talking about um, their lightning fast quarterback, and I, and that's Jason Bean. <laughs> and now Jason Bean from Mansfield 
Um, he gets hurt in the in the K State game last week, and in comes uh, Jalen Daniels, the sophomore quarterback, who threw it pretty well. I mean, he was thirteen of nineteen, but for only a hundred and five yards and a touchdown. And he's not really uh, as much of a threat to run. Is that right? Yeah, he he's athletic, but I mean, Jason Bean's a 500 meter guy. I mean, he. He broke multiple long touchdown runs against Coastal Carolina. I think one of them was like 60 yards. So, I mean, he can really go. He's one of the fastest guys on the Kansas team. Daniels is more what you would expect from kind of a dual threat-ish kind of guy. Can run a little bit, can throw throw the ball a little bit better maybe than, than Bean can. But, but yeah, the, the funny thing is, is you missed a step in there and that Bean got hurt. Then Miles Kendrick came in, got knocked out for the season. Then Bean came back in for a little bit, got hurt more. Then Daniels came back in. So it was it was a rough week for for Kansas at the quarterback position against K State. So what is what is Bean's injury, and do we expect him to uh, be on the field Saturday Saturday night at Texas? You know, I, I think it's a risk, and, and that was that was kind of. He took a really big shot, and so I think a lot of people wondered whether or not it was maybe something else. But but he did come back in for a little bit before eventually leaving. Uh, I, I would say he's doubtful for Saturday. The interesting thing is, you know, Daniels played for for most of last year, so he's he's got starting experience. They really like him, but he played last year as a as a true freshman who was 17 when the season started. And so I think that they really wanted to redshirt him this year. And while you can still do that because you get the four games now, I, I'm not sure that they really wanted to, to be sending him out just yet again. And, and so they're still, I think, going to try and keep that redshirt on. But I, I would be a little bit surprised if Daniels wasn't the guy against Texas. Well, Devin Neal, uh, the running back, had a nice day against OU, 23 carries, 100 yards, a couple touchdowns. Um, and you said it, Kansas won in the trenches against OU. How how big of a threat is Devin Neal? You know, Devin Neal was a four-star running back, according to 24-7 Sports. And obviously, Kansas doesn't get a lot of those. So, um, he kid from Lawrence, uh, has good size, good power. Uh, vision balance can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's not as much of a breakaway threat right now. You know, he's not slow necessarily, but he's not somebody probably that's that's going to take a carry and leave everybody behind on an 80-yard touchdown. But uh, but they really like the way he's come together. The biggest problem at the running back position is just lack of bodies. And they had a, another running back last week, uh, their backup running back, get knocked out for the season as well. And running back chip was a position that I thought Kansas heading into the season maybe actually had a Big 12 group. And then you had Belton Gardner get COVID and wind up leaving the team. You had Daniel Hyshaw get knocked out for the season. Uh, now now you've got uh, got another guy out for the season. And so all of a sudden, you know, Kansas is kind of down to, I think, two scholarship running backs with, with Neil and Amari Pisek-Hickson. And so – Kansas wants to run wide zone. If you look at, at a lot of what Baylor runs, I think you would find a lot of similarities, except that Baylor does it better right now. But it, it's going to be tough for Kansas to do a lot of what it wants with two healthy running backs. Well, what about at receiver uh, or tight end? Um, 
any any players to watch there? Yeah, Trevor Wilson is a guy that, that transferred in from Buffalo and and has a lot of speed. You know, they may try and get him the ball on some end arounds or some different things like that to to try and get some carries to somebody other than the running backs. He's made most of their down the field type plays. Um, Kwame Lassiter has been in the program for a really long time. His dad was an all big eight safety back in the day. And, and Kwame's, you know, a red shirt senior who, who plays pretty well. And, and then LJ Arnold is, is a guy that has had some success from DeSoto there, you know, is a, is a six foot three guy with some athleticism. And so he's kind of their bigger target out of that group at, at tight end. They don't throw it to him a ton, but Mason Fairchild is a fairly decent tight end at this level. And then they'll bring in Trevor Cardell when they want to use a second guy. Cardell was a high school wide receiver. They haven't really gotten a chance to use him down the field as much this year, but that could be something that maybe starts up, you know, either next year or on down the line a little bit. All right, we'll take a quick break with Kevin Flaherty, national writer for 24-7 Sports. We're previewing Texas and Kansas, and we will talk some Texas KU hoops here in a second. Uh, don't go away. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Kevin, let's move over to the to the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, safety Kenny Logan uh, and then linebackers Gavin Potter and, and Rich Miller look like they're making some plays. Who stands out to you on the Kansas defense? You know, defensive line as a group, I, th I think they've actually been fairly solid, uh, but they've been let down because the, the second level hasn't been nearly as good as even what some of the weaker Kansas teams have had. There's not a Joe Deneen in that group. There's not a Ben Heaney in that group, and, and certainly not – No you know, Nick Reed. Reed. No Nick Reed, you know, no, no Mike Rivera, Joe Mortensen, not, not, none of those guys in there. Rich Miller has had a, a nice season. Uh, but they really need more pieces to emerge around him. And I think, Chip, that's why you'll see Kansas really hit either the transfer portal. They've offered a couple junior college linebackers as well. That may be a position where they look to get older after this season, but linebackers probably been their, their weakest spot. They've got some young cornerbacks, and so – Whenever you've got young cornerbacks, they're they're going to show really well, you know, for plays, and then they're going to have you scratching your head the next play. But and then Kenny Logan's ha having a really good year. You know, he he's a legitimate All Big Twelve type of guy at his safety position. You know, plays the ball well on the back end, but but really does a does a better job in, in terms of coming out and, and making big plays as a as a run stuffing type of guy and helping out that linebacker group. What about uh, special teams? Uh, special teams is an adventure. And, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things where I think that that's really where you see a lot of separation between better teams and, and teams that maybe aren't so good is, you know, you see a, a team that has a lot of talent like in Oklahoma or like a Texas or somebody like that. And they can play starters on special teams. And a lot of times they do. 
But even when they play guys who aren't starters out there, a lot of times they're guys that are really good talents. And, and Kansas doesn't have that luxury as much. And so, you know, they've had some situations where they've really needed a field goal to, to maybe stay in a game um, or, or make things competitive, and and they haven't gotten it. You know, they haven't been as bad about uh, – about giving up returns this year as they had been under less miles. And so that's a major area for improvement, but they certainly don't have, I don't think what you would consider to be sort of upper tier special teams at, at this point. Yeah. Jacob um, Borsilla. Borsilla. Yeah. A seven of 12. Yeah. And, and the misses are, are pretty much whenever you get past anything relatively short. So you know, if Kansas comes into this game and for whatever reason exceeds expectations, and and you're looking at uh, you're looking at a 45 yard field goal or something like that for for Kansas to to stick around or, or have a chance, you know that's uh, that's not really uh, really his strength. So Kwame Lassiter is really the the guy you got to watch out for. He's averaging I think 15 yards on punt returns. Yeah, yeah, and and they've done a little bit better blocking on punt returns and, and things like that as well. Uh, Kenny Logan took a took a kickoff back, um, and, and so he can he can be a decent kickoff guy, but they haven't really had a lot of sustained success in that area at all. What uh, what do we know about Lance Leipold? He is uh, very much a uh, an even keel, you know, process oriented, you know. Next rep is the most important, you know, your next drink of Gatorade is your most important, you know, he, he is, he is super locked into, okay, you know, let's make this next part the, the best thing that we we've done. And, and you have to be that way because it, like you said before, you know, improvement isn't linear. And so you're going to have moments where the improvement is maybe visible, like against, you know, the offensive stuff against Coastal Carolina or, you know, the way they played against Oklahoma. And then you're going to follow that up by maybe getting smashed by somebody. And so for Kansas to get to to where he thinks it can get and where Kansas fans certainly hope it can get, you know, they really need to to focus on that whole, you know, don't see the big picture. Don't look at everything all around basically, you know, take care of this one little thing that you can control right now, and then we'll build on that and, and the next thing and the next thing. And, and so that, that's really where he comes in. The other thing that I'll tell you, Chip, for, for our uh, Las Vegas inclined friends out there, um, Lance Leopold does not give a darn about covers. He has had two or three games this year where Kansas has been in a situation to cover late in the game. They've been in the red zone. It's been fourth down. Field goal will get you to your cover, and he's gone ahead and gone for it. So he gives no cares about your Vegas line. So if it's if that line is close at the end, uh, don't don't depend on Lance Leipold to rescue on you on that thing. Oh, that's funny. Um, is he is he locked into recruiting? Do we have any feel for him and his staff to to recruit? You know, I, I think he's it I, I don't want to I think he's more locked into evaluation would maybe be the more accurate part of it. And you know, that was that was something that obviously worked out for, for Bill Snyder, worked out for Mark Mangino and, and some other people like that. 
Uh, I do think that one of the things that's different about Leipold and this staff, as opposed to some of the other ones, is they aren't ignoring Kansas. And, and I know that that you look at Kansas, you know, especially from Texas, which produces, you know, 300 some Division One kids every year. And you're like, well, why would you recruit Kansas? And the simple point of the matter is if you take Devin Neal and drop him in Dallas, you think KU even makes his top 20? But right. he's from Lawrence. I mean, I mean, if they're if they're in state, there's a possibility that they're positively inclined toward your program. And and even beyond that, neither KU nor K-State historically have ever had a successful team without a backbone of Kansas recruiting. And Chip, I'm even talking about like the 1948 Kansas Orange Bowl team had a lot of Kansas talent. So, I mean, it's never happened before. Now, can you win at KU or K-State without Kansas talent? Probably, yeah. There are a lot of good players out there. But why would you try when no one ever has? And I think that that's something that that maybe Leipold and the staff gets to a level that that Charlie Weiss didn't necessarily get, that Les Miles didn't get, that David Beatty didn't get it. And so uh, I do think that that's, that's a positive in that direction. And I also think you'll see them hit up the Missouri side of Kansas City quite a bit more than previous staffs did as well. All right, what's your uh, what's your prediction for Saturday night in Austin? Oh gosh, I I would like Kansas's chances a little more if it were in Lawrence. I, I think uh, you know Texas usually I feel like covers in, in Austin. What is the line, Chip? Have you thirty and a half? Ooh, that that's high, but I I still think I would I would probably go with Texas by say thirty two or so. You know that's probably about about right. I think. Uh, the one time that Kansas kind of shocked Texas in um, in Austin was was that game where Ellinger led him to the final field goal, and and in that game there were so many things working toward you know for Kansas. You know they they actually had some pretty good skill position talent. You know they'd installed Brent, they they'd installed Brandon you know Brent Deerman is offensive coordinator. They had a bye week for him to put in all this stuff. And so Texas didn't really have a whole lot to scout or go on. And and, and so I, I feel like there were so many things that, that sort of set Kansas up for success in that game that I don't necessarily see there this time. And so I know Texas is having a, its own problems, but I almost kind of feel like this could be one of those games where where Texas comes out, you know, smashes Kansas and everybody starts to get on the, the train a little bit more or on the bus a little bit more than maybe they were before. All right. Uh, and Kevin, as we mentioned, you are in New York covering um, the, uh, the champions classic Kansas basketball. You and I were in Kansas city for big 12 basketball media days. Give me your thoughts on, um, on Kansas basketball because I think they got, you know, obviously they got more first place votes, but Texas got some. Sure. And this is a deep Kansas team for Bill Self. How how good is this team? Well, it, it's so funny because last night they played eleven guys in the first half against Michigan State, and and afterwards, you know, we got a chance to to talk to Bill Self about it, and and one of the things that he said was basically, I don't want to be that team. And so even though they have the depth and, and those guys were effective and, and helped them build a lead against Michigan State, 
Self is still a lot more comfortable going with a tighter rotation. And so I do think that, you know, as we go into, say, Big 12 play, you're, you're maybe going to see Kansas at that eight or nine man rotation instead, even though you're adding, you know, they played 11 last night. They didn't have Jalen Wilson, you know, who, who was suspended. And so even looking at the fact that they have a number of guys they can play, I don't think that that's necessarily the, the direction that Bill Self wants to go. And so the interesting thing there will be, you know, who gets left out and, and if, some of Kansas's younger guys maybe get left out. You know, is it a situation where Kansas is maybe harming its future a little bit with those guys, you know, maybe indicating that that they should go to the transfer portal when KU's counting on them for next year, but with the possible payoff of, of a national championship this year? Well, it seems, you know, Kansas has been dominant when they've had great point guard play. How would you – how would you rate KU's point guard situation? It, it's funny because Remy Martin is driving Bill Self absolutely crazy right now, you know, and and not necessarily in a in a great way, you know. In the exhibition games, you know, and, and he did miss some practice and things like that, but in the exhibition games, you know, he was off on some assignments. You know, he he maybe cost Kansas some baskets because he was cutting the wrong way or, or going the wrong direction. And then, and Bill Self actually benched him for one of the exhibition games, brought him off the bench and Martin scored 11 points in the first six minutes. So, so he's, uh, I think you're going to see a little bit more of sort of that carousel there where, you know, Dewan Harris actually played the second most minutes on Kansas's team last night. And when I asked Self why he said, well, he's our point guard and he's our safety blanket right now. And so, you know, that would seem to indicate that, you know, he does isn't in a spot necessarily where he feels great about just handing the reins over to Remy Martin at this point. Martin had a, another thing like that last night, though, where he scored, you know, nine or 11 points in six or seven minutes against Michigan State after not even taking a shot in the entire first half. So, so their their relationship will will bear watching a lot at that point guard spot, and and I'm interested too because you have sort of this you know almost triad of situations because you've got Remy Martin you know trying to adjust and, and all the issues at Kansas, you've got Marcus Carr you know in a very similar situation at, at Texas in terms of being a transfer point guard that maybe his previous coach felt like he could have done some things differently. And then you've got James Akinjo in a very similar spot at Baylor. And those are your those are your top three Big 12 teams. Those are the three teams that everybody's picking to to contend for the league title. And so how those point guard spots get get managed, you know, between those coaches and and which of those guys really winds up playing to his ability level, I think is going to tell a lot in this league race. Well, and Kansas has size. Texas has athleticism in the in the low post um size up you know tech i mean uh kansas's front court yeah i i think when you look at david mccormick coming back he's the big 12's best returning big man that doesn't mean he's going to be the best big man this season but he's the best guy returning and, and then when jalen wilson gets back you know he's somebody that a lot of people kind of forgot about because he slumped in the second half of the season, but 
He averaged 15 points a game into January. People were talking about him last year, you know, as sort of some tokens, second team All-America type mention and, and things like that. And so, you know, with his confidence back and, and everything else, I, I think that, that's a pretty solid duo to start with. Kansas played uh, its freshman big man, Zach Clements, quite a bit last night. And Clements hit a three-pointer and, and Self told us after the game they had a five-minute scrimmage the other day, and Clements scored 17 points in the five minutes. He hit five three-pointers and scored 17 points. So that, that'll be a guy to watch, you know, sort of coming up. They did announce last night that, that Cam Martin, who was a Division II transfer, uh, who was supposed to be the main backup to David McCormick sort of before Clements started to break out, Martin's going to take a red shirt. So that does – you know, move them down a little bit as far as that goes. With Texas, I think one of the things I really, really like is that wing group, though, Chip. I mean, it, it's when, when you look at the fact that you have, you know, the experience of Courtney Ramey and Andrew Jones, you know, Timmy Allen, I, I'm a huge fan and, and was a huge fan of his at, at Utah. And and when you add in the different guys that they can add, you know, Jalen Tyson to get more size, you can go, you know, Brock Cunningham or, or Avery Benson to, you know, sort of ignite the whole thing on fire with energy. And, and so I think that that's maybe one of those areas that, that really stands out with Texas, too. Yeah. If Texas can defend, yeah, um, like they, you know, obviously they played Houston Baptist, but, you know, they Houston Baptist thought they would be able to do more um, and exploit their Texas's lack of size and Texas just guarded so tightly that they couldn't get into anything that they really wanted to get into. So uh, that it is going to be interesting. I mean, Texas is going to have to to scrap and claw and do a lot defensively to get people out of their comfort zones and, you know, keep Kansas from being able to get the ball where they want to get the ball. And uh, it's going to be fun because we know Beard and, and uh, self go way back. They know each other incredibly well. I mean, he, the the whole saying goes, you know, in conference play, you better have a plan B because everybody knows your plan A already. They've seen it for years. They know, hey, when you run an inbounds in this situation, you want to get this lob off of this screen. But I think with self and beard, it, it's almost you better have a plan D because they know each other so well that your A, B, and C is all taken care of. And so it, it's uh, – It'll be a really good matchup. I would probably bet the under in that one, though, and that they've both proven really, really good at, at sort of shutting down the other's offense over the years. Yeah, I loved the story at Big 12 Media Day. Um, Beard was talking about how he helped uh, self recruit one of Beard's players at Fort Scott Community College, um, who was a, a big guy. Um, whose name escapes me. It was kind of one of those like um, Joku or something like that. But um, he, I said, well, how did he thank you? And he said, well, you know, self's the kind of guy who will buy you a draft beer, not mixed drinks. <laughs> and, and so I tell self that and self's like, well, that's funny because Beard sends me a picture of his UALR team after they, beat Purdue in the NCAA tournament and they're at Whataburger. Like <laughs> most coaches would be like, you know what? 
I'm going to take my team to the best steakhouse I can find because the school's going to go for it. They're going to pay for it because we just won this great game. And Beard takes his team to Whataburger. It's uh, it, it's funny that you mentioned this story because last night the coaches got uh, Mike Shashevsky like a 23-year-old bottle of Pappy for uh, – heck of a nice gift and everything. And, you know, John Calipari was, was joking about it and, and said that, you know, the other coaches said they'd chip in, meaning uh, Bill Self and Tom Izzo. And he goes, they didn't chip in. <laughs> so it, it, it was, it was kind of funny. And, you know, coach K is not apparently a bourbon guy. And so, um, and so Calipari was telling him, well, why don't, why don't you just save that bottle then? And, you know, when I retire, you can give it back to me and, and we can do it that way. But, but no, it's, it, it's, it's a fun relationship and both of them are, are really funny guys. I still, it still cracks me up. Chris Beard's thing was, was it when he was on with Kenny Maine where he was talking about when Texas tech made the final four and, and he said, you know, congratulations on your first final four. And Beard said something like, well, I've been going to the final four for years. I've just been crushing beers in the lobby. <laughs> so it, it, it's fun to see those guys interact for sure. Yeah. Well, Tom Penders always told me if football's having a bad season at Texas, basketball better be ready to have a good season. So <laughs> yeah, I think Beard, uh, who of course was a student, you know, manager, coach, assistant, whatever, uh, for Penders gets that and he's certainly done uh, an amazing job of of getting these transfers pulled together and now we'll see how well they can can grow and mesh and and uh this should be a fun big 12 race kevin appreciate the time uh know you're going 100 miles an hour uh thanks so much thanks a lot chip really appreciate it all right and thanks to everybody for listening to the flagship podcast interview with kevin flaherty uh, previewing Texas, Kansas, football, and basketball. And uh, until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+.